Welcome to the Do Good to Lead Well podcast. If you're passionate about mastering self-leadership, then you're in the right place. I have always been curious about and fascinated by the pursuit of leadership excellence. This is why I pursued my PhD in psychology with a specialization in business, and I've continued to dedicate my career to understanding the science and practice of positive leadership. My name is Craig Dowden, I'm a best-selling author, award-winning keynote speaker, executive coach, and member of the Forbes Coaches Council. Each week, I'll bring you world-class content on the science and practice of positive leadership. Through my conversations with best-selling authors, TED speakers, and top CEOs, you'll be able to leverage their insights and experience so you can maximize your potential and be the leader the world needs you to be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Do Good to Lead Well podcast series. My name is Craig Dowden. I'm fortunate to be the host of the series and really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule and your busy day to check this out. For those of you who are new to the program, a very warm welcome. And to those of you who have come back, great to have you. Uh, as you know, I have the profound privilege to speak with best-selling authors TED speakers, top CEOs, and get to share their story. And today I have to say it's an extra special privilege for me. I'm on site here in coping. So I'm thrilled to be here with Jan Rye, the CEO of Heston's. Jan is a fifth generation family member to lead this powerhouse bed manufacturer since 1852. So the business has been in existence for over 170 years, which is absolutely impossible. As with every single employee, regardless of their ultimate role in the company, Jan began as an apprentice, learning, contributing to each step in the process of handmaking a Heston's bed. Jan is honored not only that his sons Lucas and David have joined the family business, but that multiple generations of other families continue to spend their careers at Heston's dedicated to improving people's lives by helping them sleep beautifully. And what a wonderful uh, mission for, for this organization. We're going to be talking about his book, When Business is Love. And I love the origin story of this book. <laughs> I have to share this with everyone. When he left university to come to Heston's, the revenue for the company was about 1.8 million Swedish kronor. So he promised himself he would write a book about the ideas he'd been exposed to when they passed 1 billion, which is about over 100 million revenue US. Well, here we are. So now that they've crossed this threshold and have grown Heston's beds more than 50,000% a warm welcome to Jan. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for being here and flying all the way to, to, to Sweden and this small town here. Well, it, it was just an absolute pleasure for me. And I love the, the title of the book, When Businesses Love. And yet in business circles, that can be not often used in terms of description. So what motivated you to write and, and call the book When Businesses Love? Well, you know, I started in this family company. I was away, as kids are, studying, worked as an associate professor at the Linköping Institute of Technology, teaching students in, in strategy, marketing, the normal business curriculum. When out in the real world, 
I started to understand things decent taught in business schools. And I started to see, notice what actually works. It's that success principles, if we call it that, that have worked for us and grown the company 50,000%. And in the beginning, when I got enough experience, I wasn't experienced. I was only 25 years old when I took over the company. So I was humble and, and, and I have to learn. I have to understand things. And it took some years, but when I started to see the real world that I didn't teach and did, didn't, I, no, no one I know were aware of, I said, I have to write a book about this, but who will believe me? Well, I have to wait until I at least pass a billion Swedish crowns because no one can argue about the numbers or, or the success. <laughs> so, so, and that's the reason the book is written, to, to share, to give back, to help people all over the world to get the life and also, of course, be more successful. So it, it's about enjoying life, having more fun, more joy, more love, but also peace, success and abundance. And I love that about the philosophy of the book. And despite the, its title, When Business is Love, there are so many great lessons within the book, no matter where you are and no matter what community you're part of for your family, your friends at work. And I'm really excited to dig into that with you. And this has been an extra special episode for me because being on site and having the opportunity and thank you to you and your team and Sonia in particular for taking me through the factory, which does not feel like a factory at all. And just to feel that philosophy of love and care and consideration is truly extraordinary. And you can see not just the ideas in the book being expressed, they're being lived every single day. And so one of the things that you touch on in the book, which I think is so powerful, is this idea of an abundance mindset. Mm -hmm. So can you talk us through what that is and why it's so important? It is uh, important because Regardless of what people believe, we as humans create our reality, or at least a huge part of it is created by how we look at the world. Our beliefs create our reality. So the belief we have about ourselves, about other people, or about the world in general, if they are negative or, or limiting or are full of scarcity. If the beliefs are it isn't enough love in the world, it isn't enough money or food or whatever, that will be more likely to appear. So when we shift that belief, we start to see another world. We see a world full of love and that appears. We see a world where there is an abundance of resources and opportunities and, and of course money or and it doesn't mean that you don't have to work or anything like that <laughs> because but you you will discover how to proceed in the world in such a way that this reality happen well and and i love that idea and i and it's so powerful and and you talk about it so well in terms of how we look at the world has such a profound impact on the experiences we have. 
And probably we'll ask you questions about, I love how you mentioned questions in the book as well, that the questions we ask ourselves has a, such a profound impact on our experiences. And I really appreciate that as a message for each and every one of us in our own lives, in terms of just reflecting on, hey, how am I thinking about a situation? And then how's that going to impact how I'm going to experience it and the results I'm going to get as a result of it. And you also talked about Humility, right? <laughs> I mean, at the very beginning, we 25 taking over the, the family business. Again, fifth generation, which is absolutely exceptional. Within the book, what I was really struck by is that you're very honest. You share some of the personal challenges you share, and in such an authentic way, and in terms of the breakdown of your of your marriage, first marriage, your the company almost going bankrupt. And what I really was struck by, and I have to say this, the authenticity, which is something you talk about later, as you read these stories, there's just this, and, and your insights, there's just such a genuine aspect to it. So what prompted you with all the success and talking about, you know, writing a, a, a fantastic book to just be so open about things and vulnerable with the readers? Well, I've been doing this uh, for, for 35 years and it's purely about giving back, enlighten people, help people all over the world to have the love, joy, peace, success and abundance in their lives that they can have. And I had to write it because I've seen it work for all the people that are close to us, all, all the people I've coached, and, and this has to be spread. And, 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 you know, someone can say it's nothing new, but it's still, even if what is in the book have been said by many great people before me, it's still a story to, to be told. And, and if I can sow some seeds or, or, if I even can do, just make one person happy, then the book is worth it. Well, and it's so interesting you share it that way, because that's something that I certainly picked up on reading it, is that it is a, a passion project for you in terms of just wanting and the genuine nature with which you shared your stories that so that people know the full you and the fullness of your journey. And despite some of the amazing successes that have been there, also shine a light on some of the challenging moments. Mm. Hey, we can, as a reader, as I was like, you've got this, you can figure this out. And there's a great, there's so many great quotes in the book. This is one that I did want to ask you about, is that you said, I came to understand that one has to love oneself before one can give of oneself to others. Mm. So can you share a little bit about that idea? E even if, this philosophy have been around in my family and it's described in the book, the beginning of the dark times. My mother got terminal cancer. I got a divorce and the very period after that where I didn't believe in myself, I was very low. And of course that affected my leadership. I couldn't lead. And uh, I was thinking there must be professionals, <laughs> managers <laughs> that, that can lead this. So I hired the best leaders only to find out that these business were kind of too complex for them because what we do is, is 
analogy if we were flying an airplane. This is a very complex airplane to fly. (laughs) (laughs) After even having several external uh, CEOs in the company, I had to discover that (laughs) regardless of what I was thinking of myself and didn't believe in myself, I can run the company. So the way back to that, we're starting to love myself to the fullest. With that, being able to love others. So love starts with oneself. Pretty much everything starts with oneself. So there's no, no outside forces, no outside people to, to blame ever in life. It, it's, it's that wake up every human being has to go through on the hero's journey. And, and this book is partly at least sharing my darkest moment or some of the darkest <laughs> moments. <of it. laughs> well, I, and that's a lesson that comes through throughout the book is that we are the masters, if you will, of our, our, of our journey, of our destiny. And it comes back to our, we're the foundation. I often say, you know, great leadership starts with great self-leadership. I love how you highlight that in order for us to love and care for and be at our best for others, it has to start from within. And you also talk about some of the challenges that are there. You also talk about another great, great topic within the book is around limiting beliefs. So it's a nice bridge to that. So can you talk a little bit about what limiting beliefs are, some example, and and how they impact us and our experiences within the world? We human beings are creating reality. For example, if you ask children in, 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 in kindergarten when they're five, four, five, six, ask any question, they, they jump up, yeah, me, I know the answer, yes. <laughs> and everyone have their hand up. We can see in when they are like seven and you ask Charleston, a few <laughs> put the hand up. And then a few years later and you ask a question, no one put up the hand because kids have been taught uh, the hard way or they have limiting beliefs. Maybe I know the answer, maybe I don't. We create beliefs. There, there are, of course, beliefs that are useful for people. I call them utility beliefs, how, how a door handle works. That's very useful. Or, <laughs> or, or, or they simplify lives. But unfortunately, there are beliefs that are limiting us or constraining us. And, you know, maybe you... Or, or the reader have goals, they have dreams. Usually young people have dreams and then they, they learn, ah, oh, that's difficult, uh, it can't be done. So I just want to, if someone say it can't be done, uh, strike out the, the not part, <laughs> it can be done, because that is just a belief. If someone says it's impossible, the im is just a belief. It, it is possible if we start from other side instead, even if we are not kids anymore. But just believe you are a four-year-old or five-year-old or, or before <laughs> they, they, they have been hurt too much in the school system. <laughs> if you have this world, then, then without any traumas, the world is completely different. It is positive. It's possible. It is a world full of love, full of abundance. Right. Well, and there's a part in the book, which I love too, where he would, if you ask someone, I think you said, you know, tell me one thing you could do to have a catastrophic impact on your life in 20 minutes. 
And so people can readily shift up with something. And then you ask this really powerful counter question, which is, well, what's one thing we could do that would have an absolutely amazing effect on our lives? And it's so important. I just, I love how you shine a light on both sides because our default can be to those limiting beliefs. And I love how you challenge us to think about, well, there's the flip side of that. What if we asked a different kind of question? You also have a great section of the book where you talk about we are human beings, not human doings. So can you share a little bit more about that? Because I think that is just fantastic. The book points out that we have to start with our beings. Life isn't about being in the hamster wheel or do things. It starts with who I am, who you are. And when that is in place, then it's time for action. The action will follow from your authentic self. And, and that is so much powerful. It will be congruent or, or you're talking about alignment mm -hmm. between your being and your action. So it has to start with recognizing, guys, we are human beings. Yes. <laughs> It's the being part that that is essential. Well, and and it again, and and I love how you made that distinction between human beings and human doings. Because for many uh, of us, you know, it's it's about what we're doing, all the different yeah. things we're involved in, as opposed to as you beautifully touch on now and in the book as well. It's just thinking at a deeper level. Who am I? What's important to me? What do I value? Who do yeah. I value? And how can I spend more time in those? those places. I also, another part of the book, which I thought was just fascinating, where you openly talk about where you were looking at establishing love as the foundation of everything you do in this business. And then, <laughs> and I'm sure for some listeners, they're like, yeah, okay, that's different. And then you said like some people were a little, you know, not on board, shall we say. And then a couple of, you know, some people left as a result of that. Can you talk about like, that journey for you, because I just love how you how you shared that and, and how committed you were to that philosophy. I, I'm extremely committed. <laughs> and, you know, even if I don't record it myself, I can see big articles in, in financial or, or paper, business papers that I'm out lecturing. And this was 20 years ago. And the headline, I don't remember I was speaking of, of, of love, but the headline is, Jan sends a love message. And this is in the Dagens industry. It's the same as Financial Times in Sweden, you know. But it, okay. So that was what people took from that lecturing moment. It works like this in my world. This is my philosophy. We are here to serve and help other human beings. And to be able to do that, it's all about recognizing how important love is. Of course, love for oneself, but then to love other people. We love, or, or my philosophy is to love everyone. When it starts with this love, then serving others, it, it might be consumers, customers. It's not about us selling a band. It, it's about how can we serve uh, whatever need this consumer have. And the same goes for business partners or, or vendors to, to realize humans or human beings. We are not here for, for the doings or we are not here for something lesser. We, we, are, we are here for the bigger picture. 
And my question back, how, how can I serve the universe? Or for some people, it's God in the best possible way. And uh, now, now we are getting very... Uh, yeah, no, it's great. Very, well, very, very high on the business fair. But very regardless of how high we go with the philosophy, in, in a way, I was very fortunate. I got a scholarship in chemistry when I was 18 years old. And so I got go to Stockholm and meet Nobel Prize winners. <laughs> and, and speaking with these Nobel Prize winners, uh, particularly the Nobel Prize winner in physics that year, his name is Kai Siegbahn. He explained to me that for him, and we, we sat down and had a cup of coffee or water, and he said, for me really to understand physics, because I, I struggled, he was fortunate to meet another Nobel Prize winner, Thea Swedberg. And Thea Swedberg explained to him that to really understand physics, you have to fully understand mathematics. So he studied mathematics. And to really understand mathematics, you have to study philosophy. I think it's the same in business, you know. <laughs> to really understand business and serving others, we, we have to shank higher. When we do, we discover it's not the, the doings part, it's the belief in how we see the world and how we can contribute in the world and help others that makes the biggest difference. And I'm glad we're at this level of elevation because it is something that's so striking about the book. So in a couple of ways, number one, even I think maybe it's the opening paragraph you say, even though you've never met me before, you love me unconditionally. And I was like, wow, that's a powerful opening for a book. And I wish the listeners could be here and experience this like I have today in terms of just how that philosophy and that orientation and focus on being human beings, it just translates so powerfully to our experience. And I think so often that we get into mindsets, which you talk about throughout the book so well, that then blocks us or minimizes the chances of rather than asking, you know, what could we do? What if, what other possibilities exist? Yeah. We stay, we stay locked in, in, in where we are. I also want to ask another question and you mentioned it at the beginning and I was glad you did because I wanted to come back to it as a word that comes up time and time again, something I'm very passionate about and, and I've written about myself, is you place a heavy emphasis on humility throughout the book. And so I'd love, Jan, if you could share with us, what does humility mean to you and why do you feel it's so important for our success? Humility opens up everything. For someone who thinks he or she knows everything or, or have a fixed you, it's very little to learn. So I've discovered time and time again, <laughs> also by hard knocks, uh, that how little I know and how little there of everything and how much it is to learn and how important it is to have this opened mind because the universe, or, or call it other people, or the world, <laughs> always tells us things, always guide us. Sometimes the guidance can be gentle, we don't hear it, we don't listen very well, <laughs> but the, the universe tells us that even stronger and stronger, <laughs> and sometimes it's really hard knock. And, and I just want to open up 
listen, listen, of course, to your yourself and be open, surrender and, and have humility. Sometimes, of course, you are right. And <laughs> uh, me too. And, and, and sometimes I'm not. Humility is a huge part of the success. So the huge part of our success were that uh, I was only 25 years old when I took over the company. And I know I didn't know anything. <laughs> and it's that knowing or being aware how little I know. And that's opened the doors to learn new things and to, to see the world. It's a fantastic learning <laughs> the place this. <laughs> well, and such a great insight because, as you say, by being humble, now it opens ourselves up to possibility. It opens ourselves up to the lesson that the universe may be trying to tell us. That's what I didn't say. And it'll keep trying to tell us over and over until we eventually listen. And it's such, once again, it's all around starting from looking at ourselves. That's, that's a mindset. It's an approach to every interaction, every experience that I have. And so I love that, that that's such a core theme throughout, throughout the book. So I, I really wanted to acknowledge that. Another thing as well, which I think is just so fascinating, there are so many elements within the book and there are great practices. You also talk about how you hire talent. Like you look at talent and bring and hiring human beings into Heston's. Can you talk a little bit about your philosophy around that and how you look at it? Because for many, maybe even most organizations, it's, it's a little differently expressed. I just really, it just absolutely resonates. Well, first to understand in, in any business, and for sure in our business, and as fully expressed in the book, human beings are the most valuable resource. When we find someone that, wow, this person is amazing, <laughs> then of course we want this to last. So, so we, we hire for life. And of course, I crashed one marriage. <laughs> so I know e even if we want it to be forever. It might not always be. But having said that, from our point of view, at least from Heston's point of view, we want it for be, to be forever. We, yeah. we hire in such a way and we care and, of course, do everything we can to make it something that lasts forever because that is uh, the highest form of win-win. So, so that's how we, how we see, and, of course, talent, or people. That's the reason for our existence. <laughs> and just being here today, speaking with a couple of people who have left the organization and then come back and they're happy to come back and it's remarkable. And if you don't mind me sharing, like when they choose to go pursue another opportunity, you're so supportive. And you can just, by speaking with people and, and hearing their appreciation, for you and your philosophy, it's it's really astounding how supportive you are when they say, "Hey, it, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave," and you're that's great, go for it. And then when they come back, you say, "Hey, you welcome back. That's great." And I love that because so often that people will talk about either if someone leaves an opportunity. Well, then their boss or their organization treats them poorly yeah. or would never welcome them back. Yeah. And I just think that's so powerful and just shines such a tremendous light on that philosophy of well worth human being. I, I just think it's great. There's an, 
I did want to ask you about this around humility as well, because I, I love this quote you also shared. While it may seem counterintuitive, high standards also go hand in hand with humility. And some business leaders, executives yeah. that, I, that I know and have spoken with and coach, that idea may be, okay, yeah, how do those two things go together? Mm-hmm. So I'd love to hear your, your perspective on this. We, we, of course, can acknowledge we, we run the company and, and the, everything we do, we very high standards. Really? We still aren't satisfied in that sense. We, we, we still are aware we can do it better no. and that we can improve. Humility is, is a great part of that because humility makes us always want to give more always want to improve our products, make them even better. Uh, always understanding that although we have been around 170 years plus, we, we, we still just have started. It, it's that there are always, <laughs> or we can find examples of, 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 of people that do amazing things. And uh, as soon as we learn something, wow, this, this is fantastic. <laughs> can we do this too? <laughs> And then we say, yeah, we, we can learn, we, we can, and, and we improve. Again, it really resonated with me in terms of that, well, continuous learning, continuous growth. And if we don't have the humility to question and think, okay, how else can we do this? How else can we grow? We can miss those opportunities. There's another part as well, the book I wanted to talk to you about, because it was, it's, it, it stood out as so counterintuitive. You basically say, hey, we don't have budgets. We have targets. Sure, watch out. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more around that decision and the benefits you've seen in terms of taking that perspective. Yeah. It has to do with being very focused on the outcome or, or the results. And, and this is, uh, we didn't invent this. I learned it from Svenska Handelsbanken, it, it's, it's a very famous bank in Sweden. They had the CEO in the 60s, Jan Wallander, 70s. And he put up this more method methodal that made this bank even more successful. And it, it's pretty simple. Uh, they didn't, they did away with budget. Instead, they focused, this is the result. Uh, that need to happen or, or they want to happen. And then they did planning for making that happen. In other ways, a, a business case for, for, and ask themselves what resources or what activities is going to make sure this is happening. And of course they allocated the resources, but it's not in the traditional sense of budget. It's purely focused on a result, an outcome, and what resources it will take. That's how we function. And it's great. I mean, and and you talk about it so well in the book in terms of, well, when we have a budget, there are certain pressures that come with that or certain (laughs) mindset or things that we manage and then can take us away from the power and the targets that we're setting. And I love how you break down that idea and show, well, even though it's a wide, and that's something I, I, I want to say as well, in this book, 
some of the common practices, if you will, will shine a light on in a very non in a very observational way and go, there's a different way. And hey, there may be some things that we haven't questioned before. There might be things to, to to question. And speaking of questions, as a coach myself, I love that you spent so much time throughout the book focusing on questions and and so can you share more about the power of great questions and how you've come to this realization in terms of how important questions are for us? I just think that was such a, again, another fantastic lesson in this book. I, I discovered, uh, and this was goes back to when the company was very small. And there were even a time when I took over the company, there were no salespeople in the company. So I had to learn to sell. And the way to really be able to serve other people has to do with asking questions, finding out what is exciting for the other person. So that's one of my favorite questions. What's, what's exciting? And because that brings people into a good state. And then, of course, my second most favorite question is, why are you so awesome, Greg? <laughs> because that, then I can make sure I bring the best out of that person. And, and uh, of course, I wouldn't say that unless I, I really believe and think you're awesome. So <laughs> that question comes, but we are human beings and mm -hmm. uh, we can always find something with the other person that is truly awesome. And as long as I focus on that as a fellow human being, I can ask that question and find out more. Questions create reality, or, or we are at least, if we are able to find the right questions, learn skills to ask questions, we, we, we can start creating a better world. Because if I said a statement, there, there are resistance to statements, usually, sometimes. <laughs> People resist things. But a question is less resistant because you have to go into your head and answer, why are you so awesome? <laughs> and and uh, that's uh, what I call a presupposing question. That means mm -hmm. that uh, I already presuppose you're awesome. So uh, <laughs> it makes you feel better. Yeah. And I love that focus on questions because... As you're talking about questions shape our reality, also love how you talk about, well, it really gets you to understand. And through our conversations today, talking to people here on site, just a philosophy that permeates because it allows us to connect more, understand more what's important to people, which back to we're all human beings. So yeah. this is really critical. And I love your, your focus on the types of questions that we ask. And then, as you said, you know, like, why are you so awesome? Just that presupposition that well, someone is so they get the have a chance to tell you, and it's and in the book you even write you know like has anyone ever asked you that question before? I was like no, <laughs> and yet it's there. And as we connect with one another, what a wonderful what a wonderful approach to take so that we can learn and get to know people on a deeper level. Our time is flying by, so I'm mindful of time. I also want to ask you, there was a great section where you said purpose requires integrity. Can you talk us through how those two are linked together? I absolutely love that. Well, the integrity is, is a value. And it certainly is a value for me that is very high on the list of my personal values. 
like authenticity, like integrity and, and so on. And to be on purpose or to be intentional, or in Swedish we have a, a world a word that Avsiktlig, that is in the book. And it is, most words in English are much better than in Swedish because English is a richer language. At the same time, Avsiktlig is clearer in, in Swedish uh, in that sense that if you're feeling yourself authentically and have integrity when you are aiming because it all sick it comes from from aiming it's extremely clear where you're going to be landing <laughs> so to speak <laughs> having even called it pure intent or a pure purpose in other words there are no other conflicting intents or conflicting purposes and, and that is of course uh, the, the key to success and there are many people have uh, talked about that to have a, have a pure heart and a pure mm-hmm. intent and all that and when we as human beings can fill ourselves with this and, and for us it, it comes from being as human beings here to serve other people so there, there are no hidden motives uh, when we speak to our employees, there are no hidden motives speaking to consumers. We we, we truly want the best, mm-hmm. and of course, we believe that it is a win-win. We, uh, and that's also one concept in the book here, because most people see the world as a win-lose or or a finite game. But the world and nature is infinite, so we can actually play an infinite game. And I found out, and this goes back to my associate professor days in the university, one thing I learned that in real optimization problems or optimization theory, real world, when you put real world examples in, it's always possible to find, of course you can find local maximum, but the local maximum, that's our in the win-lose game is just made up for us because it's easier mathematically. But the real world, we found over and over again, I've done hundreds of those examples. The real, it's always, if you think a little longer, if you think a little more, we find a solution that actually creates the highest win for each and everyone involved. And of course it becomes very theoretical, but as long as I know as a human being or in my role as a CEO, that it's possible to create something or a future that gives the highest return for everyone, for, for shareholders, for, for, for the consumers, for the employees, uh, for the vendors. It's actually finding that optimum, that, that, that's what drives us. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, and there's so many great things you just share there, Jan, in terms of well, that, that, that clarity of purpose, and, and you talk about that in the book as well, in terms of when people are disengaged and so ensuring they have clearly expressed vision and really reminds me of, you know, alignment, like being in alignment personally and then with your colleagues and organizationally. I love how you touched on and talked about that competitive view of the world to like that finite game versus infinite game. Because I thought that was so powerful 
And then as you say, if we step back and, I, and I'll borrow one of the things you shared earlier at a higher level, yeah. I just think that's so, it's something that I'm struck by as you're reading your book. It is at a higher level yeah. of consciousness that, that you're approaching things. And so then things just now, you know, oh, okay. And I love, so in the book, you say, you know, people say it's a dog eat dog world. It's like dogs don't eat dogs. <laughs> Trees don't fight each other for, and I was like, of course. And yet, so if we can step back and view it as, well, what are, there are scenarios where all of us win. Yeah. And I just think that's so, so powerful as a philosophy for our personal and professional lives. I just think it's absolutely fantastic. Well, you, you brought up and we're almost at the end. So I'm, I'm, this is just awesome. This is really flowing by. I love how you asked the question in the book, why are you so awesome? So I really wanted to ask you and put you on the spot. I know you talked about humility in the book. You finished this amazing book that's coming out early of 2024. Why are you so awesome? Well, I, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Uh, I discovered in my struggles in, the, in the, my early years that life is amazing and, and it's great fun. I kind of discovered power of giving and giving to others, serving others. And that was of course, at the time I have very little to give, but it doesn't matter as long as you start giving that and start helping and serving other human beings, life becomes wonderful. And I'm glad to share that. And thank you. And one of the things that, that struck me as well, reading it is this profound sense of gratitude. Most of and if that's accurate, even in the struggle, that was something that I think compared to like different kinds of conversations or books or things that you watch, I just had this sense there was this gratitude for the challenges, yeah. like the toughest time, the, the dark time, and yet when you describe them and when you share very openly the, the challenges, there just seems to be a sense of gratitude. Am I, is that a correct way of interpretation? Yes, I, I, absolutely. And, and I think that's so wonderful because I think for all of us, as we go through this journey, uh, a cold life, that there are going to be challenging times. And what I was really inspired by in terms of reading your book was that just thinking about, so what's the gift in this and how does this, and then as I'm going through it, it doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean I'm going to be able to, oh, tomorrow it's all fine. It's just, what do I take from that? And how is that shaping me as a person, as a human being? Yeah. So thank you for that. And, and again, as we close, I really want to serve you. You've just been so wonderfully welcoming and gracious. Is there any topics we didn't touch on during our conversation today that you would love to to share a little bit more with the audience, because again, I think this is just such an important book at such an important time that everybody can learn from no matter what position they hold or where they are in the world. So anything you'd like to share in close? I, I think you are amazing. <laughs> it's so, it's so complete. So, well, the book is 350 pages. Um, That's right. Yes. The book is three times. So pages. Yeah. I, I don't know which part we missed. That's, that's, that's so good. Yes. So uh, it is 350 pages. Well worth it. Well, so thank you, Jan, for your time today, for your insights, for your energy, for your philosophy. As I mentioned, the book is coming out in January of 2024. 
highly recommend that that you check it out and so will appreciate the philosophy there's so much there so many practices that we can take away and so this has been an absolute pleasure so once again thank you so much everyone for joining our episode today looking forward to seeing you at a future episode bye for now thank you Craig. thank you why are you so awesome Thank you so much for joining me here today on Do Good to Lead Well. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you can follow me on Twitter at Craig Dowden or reach out via LinkedIn or email info at craigdowden.com. I look forward to meeting you here next week for another transformational episode.